0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this episode of Autism Goes to College, the podcast for students on the spectrum and everyone who supports us. Navigating college is always a challenge, so here are the hacks, insights, and great ideas you've been looking for to make college work for you. We're a group of self-advocates, we all graduated, or we're almost there, and you can do this too. Hey everyone, I'm Eric
1: Lindhorst. Thanks for checking out the podcast. On today's episode, a conversation with James Turner III. He's 20 years old, looking forward to graduating in May from the University of Missouri at St. Louis, where he's majoring in political science. He lives in a dorm on campus, although most of the students at his college are commuters. We're going to talk about how he found a school that's a good fit after starting off at another college. James has successfully navigated some ups and downs, a transfer, and also had a very interesting internship with the State Legislature. I'm very glad to have James here to share his insights and advice. But before we jump into the conversation, a little about this podcast and our project. Autism Goes to College began as a documentary film following five college students on the autism spectrum as they navigate college life. I directed the film, and the film premiered at the Newport Beach Film Festival. We were selected to screen at South by Southwest EDU, which, of course, in 2020 happened online. At the end of the episode, I'll give some details about where you can see the film today. But just so you know, it's all on our website, autismgoestocollege.org. So with screenings limited over the past year, we wanted to open up the conversation. And so we created this podcast, which launched this year during Autism Awareness Month in April. The first five episodes featured the stars of the film talking more in-depth about their college experiences and talking about what they're up to now. You'll be hearing more from each of them in coming episodes. Since then, we've heard from a college counselor who is on the spectrum himself, who helps students on the spectrum find a good college fit. And we've heard from a student in a certificate program at the University of Nevada, Reno, And this fall, we spoke to a freshman just starting out at the University of Oregon. Today, we're going to the Midwest, and James will tell us all about his college journey, which began at an HBCU, an historically black college. James, thanks for joining me. Thank you. So I wanna start back during your first initial college search. You'd been at a therapeutic high school, graduated early at 17, and wanted something very different. What were you looking for?
2: Well, after being in a therapeutic school environment since um, seventh grade, which in my district was all the middle school and high school, I really was just kind of looking for a college experience where I could kind of feel like it was a
1: traditional
2: school experience.
1: And you're a student on the spectrum, so were you also looking at the kinds of services that, uh, or accommodations, that might be available to you?
2: At the time, I didn't really um, consider that. I mean, I had school advisors and, of course, my mother who, you know, prioritized looking at that. But for me, I was more or less kind of looking to move beyond that part of who I was. And so I was didn't really take that um, into consideration, as much when I was looking for colleges.
1: And you mentioned that, uh, you were interested in going to an HBCU. Why was that a particular focus for you?
2: I wanted to, you know, be around more students who were like myself, who were, who were black and at my school, of course, black people were the minority. And I kind of wanted to have that experience, especially with people who would come from similar backgrounds where, you know, it'd be easier to make friends.
1: And you really wanted to go out of state, but you actually wound up staying in state. Can you tell me a little bit about that decision?
2: Uh, Yes, I, I was interested in going out of state, but my mother, she wasn't really on board with that idea. I mean, I graduated like a week after my 17th birthday, so it would have been a big transition for me to not only go to college, but also go to college out of state, you know, far away from my support group. It would kind of make the transition bigger than it already was just to not only change my level of education and the environment, but then also be so far away from my support group. So eventually, you know, there there's an, HBC, there an HBCU in St. Louis, and that was relatively close. So that was sort of the middle ground that was able to be
1: had. And college for you really began with a, a bridge program at the Harris-Stowe State University For folks who don't know what a bridge program is, can you explain what that is? And can you tell me what your program was like? It's
2: where you you could take college courses and live on campus before the fall semester starts in the summer and live on campus for a few weeks and then about 50, 60 more students came later on in the summer. Basically how that program was, we had some classes that we took for college credits you know, we lived on campus. We went on, you know, field trips. I guess that was more for the benefit of um, the students who were from out of state to visit um, St. Louis landmarks. It was definitely a lot more of a controlled environment than than college actually is. You know, you weren't really allowed to, like, leave campus and tighter restrictions, but it essentially gave you um, a taste of what college would be like. And also allowed you to get some of the beginner classes out of the way before the fall started.
1: And how useful was participating in that for you? It was pretty useful. I mean,
2: I got the credits out of the way and I was able to build relationships before the fall semester came around. Uh, So that was pretty beneficial.
1: So the bridge program was good, and you liked the classes and professors at Harris Stowe, but your first semester was still a little bit rough, I understand. Can you describe dorm life?
2: Uh, Yeah, it was uh, pretty difficult transitioning into living with other individuals because sometimes people aren't as considerate of others. There's no adult there to necessarily be there and support you. I mean, there's RAs, but, you know, they're not going to be there with you 24-7. And as an adult, being in an adult environment, um, it's, the responsibility is often on you to kind of speak your mind and try and express your needs, what you need from other people. And so that was certainly difficult because, you know, I'd been in an environment for years where if a situation got bad, there'd always be someone there to advocate for you and help you, not necessarily do everything for you, but at least help you get to that point. So basically, I did live with people who weren't as considerate, and they weren't as responsive to requests to curb their behavior.
1: And were you, Do you had a roommate at this point? Yes. And what, did you, were you in a suite environment where it was several people sharing sort of a common space, or how was your dorm there laid out?
2: It was a suite. Okay.
1: And you had a roommate. And um, did you disclose your disability and ask for support at the start of college or in the dorms or at any point uh, at Harris Stowe?
2: Uh, yes, I did. Um, not w- with residential life, but with um, the disability services.
1: So you, uh, you communicated with the disability services office at Harris Stowe at the beginning of your experience there at, at, at that college?
2: Yes, yeah, that's something that uh, we worked on you know before we even you know got on campus. They were aware before the bridge program.
1: And in some schools, I know that the Disability Services office interfaces with the dorms. Uh, it sounds like that wasn't the case at Harris Stowe. They were sort of separate entities, so um, you had no assistance or any kind of accommodation in the dorms. Right. And did you have assistance from the Disability Services Office for academic things?
2: Yes, I did. I had um, academic accommodations in place, just extra time on tests and going to the testing center for for a
1: test, things
2: of that sort. Was that helpful? Uh, Yes, that was very helpful because, um, of course, with the really volatile situation in the suite in the dorm You know, it was was hard to get homework and assignments done there. And so to have, you know, some extra time and an environment where I could test outside of the classroom, that was very helpful. So that was very beneficial to me still maintaining good grades despite the sort of chaotic atmosphere.
1: So and did you have any assistance from the disability services office there with a the social piece?
2: No. I mean, I know that there um is therapeutic services there, but you know, I didn't I didn't utilize
1: them. And how did you ultimately decide to leave? Towards the end
2: of the semester it became clear that residential life wasn't going to be responsive and the situation just Really kept getting more and more antagonistic, and it felt like the best decision was uh, to move on because the situation had been allowed to go on for so long and uh, just reached an untenable level to the point where um, me and my mother no longer felt comfortable staying enrolled in that college, which I would just put it on more so on Brad's life that didn't really respond to the situation appropriately. And it wasn't an appropriate response regardless of whether I had Asperger's or not. It just objectively was a bad situation. So that's really what uh, led us to move on from that institution.
1: And you wound up transferring to the University of Missouri-St. Louis, known as UMSOL, correct? Yes, UMSOL. And what attracted you to UMSOL?
2: I know a lot of people who've been you know, my aunt and my stepmother's been to It's a pretty well-known school in the greater St. Louis area. It seemed like really the most feasible option since it was a school that seemed like it would uh, be a smooth transition in the short term. And, you know, I've definitely found somewhat of a home. There really wasn't any challenges during the transfer. I got accepted pretty quickly. I got housing fast. I got my disability access services um, information process quickly. It went about as well as you could imagine, like a, a, um, a short notice transition ago.
1: Did counselors help you enroll and figure out any credit transfers or anything like that?
2: Um, that process was simple, I mean all my credits transferred, um, that was good.
1: And the dorm situation was different there. You had a single room, correct? Did that make things easier?
2: Yeah, that that definitely made things a lot easier that every student who lives in uh, the dormitory has a single room to my knowledge.
1: Okay, so it's all single rooms. Yes. And did you find more supports and accommodations for you at UMSOL than you had previously?
2: Yes, I think it was it's just better equipped to take care of students. They definitely were helpful whenever I, I, I needed it. But that's not to say that there aren't areas where it can improve because I do know that people who do rely on therapeutic services at UMSL and other UM system schools have, you know, wanted it to be improved. But, you know, in my personal experience, which is admittedly limited They've been very good and very responsive.
1: In In terms of getting accommodations, did you have to approach professors individually and disclose and have them fill out paperwork, or was that handled through the Disability Services Office, or how did that work?
2: Well, when I discussed it with the Disabilities Office, like at Harris-Stowe, really the expectation seemed to be to talk to the professors directly, and they would sign a piece of paper saying that they understood that you had a disability and that they were willing to go through with
1: the accommodations. Because we've heard from other students uh, that that in itself is a challenge, especially for students who have anxiety disorders or have a difficult time going up and sort of opening up and disclosing their diagnosis to a stranger, effectively. And it seems like that schools are starting to put programs in place online that spare the student um, having to do that, and they just fill out a form online, and then the, the professor gets a, a notification. I understand that when COVID hit, uh, you didn't have to go up to your professors on um, personally. You were able to just send them an email. Did you prefer that?
2: Yes, I did prefer that. That made it a lot easier because when the option presented was to talk to them in person, I you know, decided not to do that. So for one semester, I don't think I did it at all. A couple semesters, you know, I just picked a couple professors that, you know, didn't seem as intimidating, but it is kind of difficult and uh, perhaps my anxiety played into it to just kind of go to a professor and say, hey, I need some special treatment. It just kind of feels like what you're saying to them, you know, I have this mental disability, I, I may need some special treatment isn't you know, the most comfortable thing to go and tell somebody you don't already have a relationship with. So it's easier to just kind of be able to put it in the email instead of trying to muster up the courage to, uh, you know, just kind of explain it to somebody face to face.
1: And we've heard from other students as well that sometimes the professors gave them pushback, like, well, it doesn't look like anything's wrong with you. So why am I giving you this accommodation? So it it seems like all the way around, it's a lot of for the students, of the school to ask the student to have to make that uh, introduction. And it seems like the trend now is to move that online and make it uh, handled through the disability office. Right, yeah. I Just think in time for you to graduate. <laughs>
2: right. It was definitely beneficial to be able to do that because my junior year is when that was presented as an option, and so that was the first semester that I was able to have all my classes to where i told them i needed accommodations and it was very comforting to know that i had those accommodations even though i didn't use them as much but you know the fact that i had them and that there isn't all the pressure on you
1: and you've had one internship with the state capitol can you talk about how that came about and the work that you did
2: so I was part of a student lobbying organization on campus that represented the four schools in the University of Missouri school system. You know, I was the president of that organization, and then they had an internship that they have every year where they would select two students each from each university, and they would have a paid internship where they go to the cap- Capitol and lobby representatives and senators on behalf of legislation that would benefit the students
1: of the University of Missouri school system. Can you talk about, like, were you going into legislators' offices and having to do some kind of a pitch, or what was your day-to-day like there?
2: A lot of it did involve meeting with legislators on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so setting up meetings with legislators was a large part of the job, and you basically did have to describe to them the legislation and kind of see if they would sponsor it or co-sponsor it or vote for it. And when you weren't doing that, you were researching information that was pertinent to the particular piece of legislation that you were that you were working on. Sometimes it involved, you know, working with other interns, but a lot of the time it was a very independent sort of setup.
1: And when you were interfacing with the legislators and going in and, and trying to convince them, was that, uh, was that challenging? How was that experience for you? It felt
2: a little less challenging because, I mean, it was something that was in my comfort zone, just knowing about government, some aspects of it were a bit intimidating, you know, because as you can imagine, you know, some legislators were friendlier than others. But it it wasn't as daunting as a task because I I just felt so comfortable in that environment. So um, talking to them uh, really wasn't that difficult as as, it, as you know other experiences with talking with people have been in my life. So
1: well and I can see that it's like it's 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 not like you're talking about yourself or having to reveal something about yourself you're talking about your area of interest something you know a lot about it's something that you aspire to do so that's all i I would assume was motivating
2: right I was representing an organization I was talking about something that you know I had knowledge of and you know with people and subjects that I've researched and you know know about there's a relatively controlled environment and of course there were some legislators that made it easy to talk to them so that was helpful.
1: And you're on track to graduate this spring what are your career ambitions at this time? Right now I'm pursuing journalism
2: at the moment but you know I'm still sort of figuring it out but right now I'm on the journalism track and you know pursuing an internship in that field.
1: And looking back, can you offer some advice to students on the spectrum based on your college experiences?
2: I mean, advocating for yourself is important. And stepping outside of your comfort zone, those are two um, really important things. You know, stepping into, you know, the adult world where there's not always going to be people there that help you through it, you know, and that was something that I had to learn transitioning from a therapeutic school where people, where everyone who worked there could kind of tell the signs and you know if you were struggling you know there'd be some form of help so it's important to make sure you advocate for yourself and and make sure you go outside of your comfort zone socially because the best way to learn is is just from going out and and doing something so you know just talking to people being a part of organizations, going to events. It's not always going to be easy, but you know, the only way to get better at anything is to is to keep doing it and, you know, experience the successes and failures that come with it because, you know, you'll only learn from it and get better from it. Because really, having autism is, isn't something that that should prevent people from having a successful college experience. It takes work and, you know, it's not going to be easy. But it's definitely a process where you have to be willing to,
1: you know, put
2: yourself out there, so to speak.
1: Well said. And what is your journalism goal right now? Just kind of to learn some of the skills
2: of writing journalistically. I certainly have the passion for documenting government and talking about how the government works, but I'm very Excited to be able to to learn about how to do that from a journalistic standpoint.
1: That's all very interesting. Um, so, going back to your college experience, what turned out to be the most important factors? Would you say for your success?
2: Uh, just kind of coming up with a routine and t- to you know that I could find where I could be productive academically while, you know, also taking care of my mental health, like, that's what's most important, and that's what took kind of a while, but, you know, once you really can find, you know, a routine where, you know, you can get your work done, but also not overwhelm yourself, that makes all the difference, and it made all the difference for me, you know, just making sure, you know, you're in the right environments to focus and find a way to have a good balance of you know, mental health and prioritizing your work.
1: And do you, did you have anything, do you have anything that you did to, for your mental health, whether it's athletics or working out or going for walks or meditating or anything that you did specifically that, that was useful to you?
2: Yeah, I, I go to the gym, That that's pretty helpful. You know, I fit that into my schedule. And then when I'm working, making sure I have a good, quiet environment to where I can focus. So I would say just finding something to do daily that can relax you, can take your mind off, you know, work and something healthy.
1: And what would you say were the biggest challenges you faced and and how did you navigate those?
2: I'd I'd say the social aspect is tough uh, because there are... At my age, you know, there's a lot of expectations out of people socially, and having Asperger's syndrome, you know, you present very differently than, you know, the average person. And there's, of course, with the anxiety, there's shyness. And so it was very difficult to build relationships at various points in my college experience. And that was, and that's always uh, been, you know, a recurring issue, I'd say more so than anything. I'd say, you know, I mean, I've had good relationship experiences in college and challenging ones. And it's been, a, I think, a, a good a learning experience and experience for me to grow just kind of going through the different trials and tribulations of being, you know, on a college campus and attempting to, you know, build those relationships with people who, you know, people refer to as neurotypical
1: and 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 through all the challenges you you've you've made it, you're about to graduate, uh, you're twenty years old, and it uh, sounds like you've had uh, you've gotten pretty good grades. so how how does that feel? It feels very good. It
2: just really shows that it is possible to you know be successful in a college environment, you know, despite whatever diagnosis you may have and and everything I've been through personally to graduate in four years. As people know, like that's hard for anybody to do. It's not an easy task. You know, a lot of people who who don't have any diagnosed conditions have been unable to do that. And I feel thankful for uh, my support group and the level of growth I've been able to have as a college student to be able to graduate on time in four years. and and hopefully, um, you know, I can use that experience to, you know, help other people achieve the same goal.
1: And is there anything you wish you'd known when you first got to college that you learned sort of the hard way? That it's just, it's good to,
2: I'd say, advocate for yourself early, make sure your needs are getting met, because if you really need something, you just need it. So you have to kind of go out there and You know, make it known you have to um, make sure your voice is heard. And I guess, you know, just kind of, you know, be aware more of social situations. Because I I really wasn't ready for the big transition socially from the therapeutic school to traditional college. Um, It was very different and a lot of things that I didn't know going in. You know, because it's a completely different social environment from being with people, other people with diagnoses to, you know, people who've never really been around people like that. And so um, those are the two things, just making sure, you know, to to advocate for yourself and, you know, just be more socially aware. Those are two things that I wish I had done, you know, more at the start of my college career.
1: Well said, James. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. This has been really great.
2: Oh, Thank you. I
1: appreciate it. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening, following us on Instagram and Facebook, and thank you especially for adding your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Our show is very specifically for students on the spectrum navigating college, and we really appreciate the appreciation for Autism Goes to College. And now, as promised, here are the ways to see the documentary film. Autism Goes to College is currently available through many channels, but the easiest way you can see it today is to rent it on Vimeo On Demand, which you can access from your Apple TV or most smart TVs by going to the Vimeo On Demand app. You can find a link on our website at www.autismgoestocollege.org. The film is also available for educational use and for live and hybrid event screenings. All the relevant info and links can be found on our website. Don't forget, please follow us on Instagram to stay current and consider joining our vibrant community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.
0: Hey, Thanks for listening to Autism Goes to College. We'd love to hear from you about what you'd like to hear more about. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Autism Goes to College. Hit us up with your thoughts. Tell us what's going on on your campus and in your college life. To see the documentary film or set up a screening, check out our website at autismgoestocollege.org.